are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert! No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot, or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Too Fast, Too Furious, which came out in 2003, and was directed by John Singleton. It stars Paul Walker, Tyrese Gibson, Eva Mendez, Ludacris, Cole Hauser, James Ramar, Tom Barry, Mark Boone Jr., and Devin Aoki. The genre would be auto racing slash action thriller. All right, all right, all right, fire them up! Ready! 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 Go! How you like that? Keep your eyes on the road, playboy. He did the stare and drive on you, didn't he? He got that from me. You ready for this? Come on, man. Guns, murderers, and crooked cops. I was made for this, bro. Yes, kids, what you've heard is true. There was a Fast and Furious once upon a time without Vin Diesel. It featured the late, fondly remembered Paul Walker at his most endearing. So what's the idea here? Don and I are supposed to be street racers? That's right. So done. Looks like we're going to be partners, bro. Could you tell me right quick what would be a better motor for my Skyline, a Gallo 12 or a Gallo 24? Um, <clears> the <throat> 24. I didn't know pizza places made motors. And Tyrese actually playing a charismatic anti-hero type Roman who was not the butt of the joke. Find what you was looking for? Hey, buddy. Hi, guys. How you doing? Verone pay y'all to keep a straight face like that? Because if I was making money, shit, I'd get that mole removed off my damn nose. How much he pay y'all anyway? Every time I see y'all, man, y'all got the silk shirts on, jewelry, you know, looking real Miami. You know, I caught you walking up in the club. You got the hamburger meat all hanging out. <laughs> you know? And it was directed by the late, great John Singleton, amidst a good run of action films that he did in the early 2000s. And it also co-starred a lovely Eva Mendez, playing undercover FBI agent Monica Fuentes, lighting up the screen. And it featured a menacing, very much non-Argentinian Cole Hauser, playing an Argentinian drug lord as the villain Carter Verone. You betray me, and my rat here is going to visit your wife, Lynn, yeah, your son, Clay, and your daughter, Lexi. Do you hear me? You understand me? Huh? You hear me? Now you can go. And it all took place in an eye-popping Miami with cars as colorful as the Art Deco buildings. And get this, kids, it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Paul Walker was never more self-aware playing this character than he is this time around. 
Yes, some of his dialogue is ridiculous. Yeah, bro, man, he liked them apples. That's the Brian O'Connor school driving right there, baby. But he's just having fun playing this character with just such a fuck it, Billy Hoyle type of attitude. And it's right in line with the playful tone that everyone was apparently going for with this sequel to a film which, as satisfying as it was, did take itself a bit too seriously at times. I'm talking about the first Fast and Furious, previous episode. And when I refer to Billy Hoyle, I'm referring to the Woody Harrelson character from White Men Can't Jump. What did I just say to you? What, you still throwing up bricks? What is this, a Mason's convention? What? Clank, clank. I need like a welding torch to play in this league here. And while there is no single driving sequence as mind-blowing as that truck hijacking climax from the first film, the driving sequences are all pretty inventive and well-staged. And the last 25 minutes? They are just a kick. As this movie almost becomes a Blues Brothers-like cacophony of cop cars and loony stunts. But in Miami. Let's do this! We're not tracking them on video. Must have lost them in the scramble. Y'all, let's break. And this brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. In all honesty, I've never really been a fan of any soundtrack from this franchise, even for the Fast and Furious movies which I like the most from the early 2000s. And that's mainly because, as I've stated on previous episodes, the early 2000s were just the all-time bottom from modern pop music. New metal, boy bands, Britney, Nickelback, and generally lame overproduced hip hop, which just was not my taste, along the lines of Nelly or <laughs> Ja Rule. Yep, the same Ja Rule who provided a song for the first Fast and Furious movie, along with co starring, and he later helped to give us the Fire Festival. That's not fraud. That's not fraud. That is, uh, I would call that uh, false advertising. Good job. That said, this particular Furious sequel was also the franchise debut for Christopher Bridges, also known as Ludacris. And he has been a franchise staple ever since, playing Tej, who is a master mechanic slash race ringleader in this movie, who a couple of movies later would rejoin the franchise and is now a tech whiz and a hacker. Okay, sure. Well, regardless, he's a winning screen presence, and he's also been a solid actor in various films outside of the franchise, in acclaimed films like Hustle and Flow, and the infamous Best Picture winning Crash. He was actually pretty good in it. But Ludacris' main career has been as a hip-hop artist, and one of the first real breakout stars coming out of the burgeoning Atlanta scene back in late 90s. The tone of his songs have generally been lighthearted, and he has had several high-charting singles, along with releasing nine studio albums. Of course, he does contribute the most prominent song for this film's soundtrack, which even features the title of the movie within the lyrics. That really sharp title. We hear it during the opening sequence in the lead-up to that first Miami street race. Fittingly, we hear it blasting from the front speakers of one car gathered up at the race, which actually has pop-up speakers rising from under the hood. <laughs> it's a playful song with a very catchy, fast-paced hook, featuring what I believe is modulated piano and flute chords for that bombastic bong sound, which you hear throughout. The song is called Act a Fool, and it's a fun way to help kick off the story. Drop. Too fast. Drop. Too furious. I'm too fast for y'all, man. 
fast. Drop. Too furious. Oh, I'm too fast for y'all. Oh, you just came home from doing a beat. Tell me what you gon' do. Act a fool. Somebody broke in and cleaned out your crib. Boy, what you gon' do? Act a fool. Just bought a new pair and they scuffed your shoes. Tell me what you gon' do. Act a fool. Now them cops trying to throw you in them county blues. Boy, what you gon' do? Act a fool. The next category is Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. And I'm going to take this category in a slightly different direction than I usually do. Now, I know it has become very fashionable to shit on Tyrese nowadays. I mean, 10 years of Transformers movies, fast sequels, and just some ridiculous personal stunts will do that. But rewatching this, it's clear that there was a time when Tyrese Gibson had the potential to be a full-fledged movie star. Nobody came closer to getting that out of him than John Singleton, too. He is just disarmingly confident, funny, and even sexy playing Roman Pierce as an ex-con car thief who's clearly over his head along with Brian. You see, they both made deals with the FBI to help bring down Hauser's Carter Verone as part of an ill-planned undercover operation. But even though Roman often finds himself in above his head, he's always reveling in the opportunity to figure his way out of things by talking or driving really fast. You see that Cadillac across the street over there? Yeah. Yeah, well, they've been on us ever since we left the room, so. Alien infidel. Get past a hota. Hey, man, I clean your windshield, buddy. What are you doing, man? Uno, tres, cuatro, cuatro, taco. Everything over there at home. Me gusta chacha. Kiss my ass, puto. He's giving off serious Axel Foley vibes at times, and actually has very good chemistry with Walker. I mean, you definitely get a vibe with them at times, the way they look at each other. Man, when you start eating so much? I was in jail, bruh. I know how shitty the grub is on the inside. <laughs> with the way things are shaping up out here right now, it'll be a matter of time before I'm back in there or dead. So I'm trying to eat all I can while I can. Plus, the doctor tell me I got a high metabolism. <laughs> Man, you remember us growing up, you know, playing football in the dirt, you know, getting in trouble, all the stupid things we did. When you got busted, you know, whether I was a cop or not, you know, if there's anything I could have done, you know, I would have done it. I just want you to know that. They have really good chemistry, and he's one of the best things about this movie. It's just unfortunate that in every Fast and Furious sequel since then, they have made his character Roman Pierce into the butt of the joke. And before Paul Walker's untimely death about nine years ago, they actually shifted the focus of the franchise to be the relationship between Dom, Vin Diesel's Dom, and Paul Walker's Brian, which I think was a mistake. Because in retrospect, I don't think those characters ever had such good chemistry as these two do in this movie. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. As I stated previously, the last 25 minutes of this movie comprises an impressive series of inventive action set pieces all geared towards our heroes not only successfully doing the money drop for Carter Verone, but also leading Verone and his money into a trap where they could be arrested by the FBI. As you would expect, not everything goes as planned, but both Brian and Roman come through in the clutch regardless. For Roman, he's driving with one of Verone's intimidating goons right in the passenger seat, right next to him. So for him to get away post-money drop is going to be a bit tricky. Fortunately, they had a few half-filled cans of NOS at Tej's garage, and our partners in crime found a use for it. Besides jacking up the speed and horsepower of the car, why not set up some NOS under the passenger seat? Hmm. 
maybe even rig it to a button inside the gear shift handle? <laughs> yeah, you can see where this is going. And it culminates with a brilliant quip from Roman, no less. Enjoying the ride? Man, it's a fast car, huh? <laughs> Man, it's a classic. Old school. American muscle. <laughs> man, this car can do all kind of things, man. Wanna see? <laughs> Check this out right here, homie. So what you doing, man? Probably my favorite line of the movie. Don't ask me why. That leaves Brian in his clutch moment, of course. And that moment occurs at the very end of the climax, when he has gotten rid of his respective goon who's been driving with him and is now driving with Roman. They're apparently in the clear. Only Carter has moved the drop point and he's gotten away with the money and has just escaped down the river in a luxurious boat where he's also keeping Monica hostage. And they're getting away. Uh-oh. Well, there just happens to be a dirt road going along the river. <laughs> Yeah. So guess what Brian decides to do? Yep, what results is nicely rendered CGI, blended with some convincing automotive stunt work here, too. It's a tale as old as time. Car meets boat. What are you doing, Brian? I don't know, but if Verone sees a helicopter at Customs Boat, she's dead. Boat. Car. Boat. You're not going to do what I think you're going to do. Yeah, I think so. You got my back, bro? Yeah. All right, man, put on the seatbelt. Yeah. You want some real dudes of hazard shit, bro. We're going to do this big. Hold on, Rome. Hold on. And now the final category, which is the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. John Singleton certainly had a unique career as a director, before it was tragically cut short a few years ago. After taking the world by storm in 91 with the breakout success of previous episode Boys in the Hood, great movie, which resulted in him being the youngest nominee for Best Director in Oscar history. Singleton pretty much focused on serious dramas for the remainder of the 90s, with the highlights being Rosewood and the strangely prescient Higher Learning, a movie that I have mixed feelings on, but some parts really hold up. Then, around the turn of the century, he took an interesting swerve by not only taking on existing IP franchises, but suddenly becoming a full-on action genre director. Now, yes, many, myself included, might refer to this point of a filmmaker's career as, quote, selling out. After all, several respected peers of Singleton's who came up around the same time, like Quentin Tarantino or Spike Lee, they would never have taken such a turn. But here's the thing. While none of these films were masterpieces on the level of A Boys in the Hood, they were all well-crafted and very entertaining action movies. And they each featured not only well-directed action sequences, Singleton's action films around this time also featured adeptly cast actors at just the right time, really playing the hell out of some quirky roles. In 2005's Four Brothers, you have Mark Wahlberg playing a mindless Detroit thug on one mission to get revenge on the person who killed his stepmom. And he really nails it, of course. And you also had an early Chiwetel Ejiofor having a lot of fun as the main villain in that movie. And in Shaft, not only was Samuel L. Jackson a masterstroke as the titular character, but you also have genuine standout performances from Christian Bale and Jeffrey Wright playing the two main villains in that movie. My name is Peoples. You know why they call me that? Because Joe always takes care of your people. Yeah, actually, more or less. 
I mean, in Shaft, playing Peoples Hernandez, that was just a genuine breakout performance for Jeffrey Wright. He's just wild in that movie. Which brings us to this movie. I mean, I honestly don't think Paul Walker has ever been more likable in any other film of the franchise than he is here. Just going full-on proto-goofy blonde Keanu here as our main protagonist, Brian. And same with Tyrese, as I mentioned earlier. But even in the smaller roles here, with veteran character actors like James Ramar and Mark Boone Jr., both playing law enforcement officers, though on opposite sides of this conflict. You think she's compromised? You should know. What's that supposed to mean? What, you mean your old pal O'Connor didn't tell you? He flipped on Bilkins in L.A., gave his mark his car keys and let him disappear. That's why he's not a cop anymore. Neither actor has a particularly deep role with a lot to do, but these guys are still given time to just cook, delivering distinct characters as a result. Discovering new talent and or utilizing talent was always one of Singleton's biggest strong points as a director, and that's certainly the case here. And the result is, yes, a silly sequel with a very silly title, but one which at least features fun characters placing them within a fun world. For helming what is definitely the least generic and most self-aware entry in a franchise which is now more than 20 years old, John Singleton is the MVP. You know, they always have these, they have action set pieces and then they have these informational scenes that are just filler for the set pieces. Well, I always feel in an action film, the informational scenes and the filler scenes have to be as entertaining as the set pieces. Otherwise, the audience is going like this. When the set piece comes, they go, and then when people start talking, they go, they should go the whole time, <laughs> you know? And so we, they sent us down to, to Miami uh, for about eight months, and, you know, we had fun, <laughs> me and Paul and, uh, Paul and um, Tyrese, and um, I got them together. They bonded really tight. My rating for Too Fast, Too Furious is four stars out of five. Happy 20th anniversary to what I consider to be an excellent, stupid movie, along the lines of Godzilla vs. Kong. And feel free to check out my review of that movie to hear what my criteria is to be an excellent, stupid movie. It's very specific. Even though I might be in the minority here, I consider this to be my personal favorite of the entire franchise. And if you're looking to watch Too Fast, Too Furious, it is currently streaming on DirecTV, Sling, TNT, TBS, and True TV. And that ends another Too Fun, Too Hilarious review. Sorry, I just couldn't resist. Special shout out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast, and to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.